What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We are talking year two running backs here on Fantasy Football Today, and the best part about it is we get to cheat a little bit and put Travis Etienne in the mix. He is included in the sophomore running back preview. Welcome to the show. It is Thursday. And I am so excited to talk about these guys today because we got like three of them went in the second round in our most recent mock draft. That was a week and a half ago. That was Brees Hall, Ken Walker, and Travis Etienne. <clears throat> Not in that order. Damian Pierce went in the fourth round. People are going to be excited about Isaiah Pacheco. He went early in the sixth round. You got Tyler Algier in this group. Um, so it's, it's really exciting. And I feel like I'm forgetting, oh, James Cook as well. Brian Robinson. Got a lot of guys to talk about. Jamie, this, uh, this year two running back group, I'm sure it won't work out this way because, you know, it never does work out the way we want. But these could be fantasy stalwarts for a really long time, kind of like the group we we just had of Kamara and Zeke and Aaron Jones, et cetera. You know, these guys we were drafting every year, so good, so reliable. Do you see that kind of potential for this group? There's definitely that kind of potential. I, I think we probably would have said the same thing and hopefully still can. You know, the the Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, uh, whatever that group was that went, there was a bunch of second-round picks Dobbins, there. Dobbins, Akers, right? Right, yeah. The, yeah. the the pedigree was a little bit better for those guys just based on where they were taken in the NFL draft. Now, for this group, um, I, I think you don't necessarily have the same longevity as the, the guys you're talking about. I, don't, I just don't see that happening because if history does repeat itself, you know, Heath has talked about this a lot, you know, when you get these day three guys that get these opportunities, you know, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, these type of these type of guys, they just don't have the same uh, lifespan, you know, career lifespan, because they tend to get replaced by, you know, guys that have maybe a little bit, again, better pedigree. So uh, we'll be fun to see, but um, certainly a, a, an excellent group with the two guys at the top that we expected to be great, looked great. Uh, unfortunately, Brees Hall's season got cut short, but Ken Walker and Brees Hall looked every bit the part of the guys we thought they would be. Dave, what lesson do you take from the letdown of 
Dobbins, Acres. It's it's been injury related for sure, but not not just injury related. But I guess the letdown of that group, you know, Taylor had an RB one year. Can't call him a letdown, but but then he was in twenty twenty two. DeAndre yeah, Swift, <laughs> right? Like, those guys haven't really quite panned out, as Jamie was saying. You, I, I don't what? put him in the letdown category. No, no, no. That's like saying not. Dalvin Cook was a letdown because he got hurt. You no, know certainly I mean? not. He was this but, year. He was he was disappointing. But but the other three, Swift, Dobbins, Acres, um, haven't quite been you know what we've hoped, mostly because of injuries. What does, it, does that mean anything for you when we look at this group that we're going to talk about today? It's hundred percent injuries. Look at what's happened. John the Taylor had the high ankle sprain early in the year. And then Dobbins had the ACL tear last preseason, 2021 preseason, and Cam Akers tore his Achilles. It's significant injuries that have impacted these three. The only, the only guy that was impacted by something negatively that wasn't an injury was Akers when he got into a brouhaha with his coach and was nearly traded away. And then he made up with the coach and he finished the season strong. So... It's it, it to me. It's really all that it comes down to. If you've if you're a good running back with a good pedigree and you're talented and the whole world sees it and you put it out there for the whole world to see, man, the coast is clear for you to have an awesome career as long as you don't get hurt. And that's the problem with running backs in the NFL. They get hurt constantly. It's why you can't necessarily count on anyone uh, standing the test of time. You hope, fingers crossed, that they can. But it's it's the cautionary tale for every single running back that we'll talk about today and every single running back that's in this draft class coming up. They can be great, but if they get hurt, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be a big letdown. Yeah, I did forget two names from that draft class that included Dobbins and Akers and Taylor and Swift. Clyde Edwards-Zelaire was the first one drafted. And uh, I'll give you three names. A.J. Dillon was the last one drafted in round two. And then the next one off the board, four picks later, was Antonio Gibson. I think the good thing is when you look at what what the guys, you know, the main guys we're talking about, they, they accomplished a lot more than Clyde and Dylan and Gibson, right? Ken Walker, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, Damian Pierce, uh, probably in a strong, stronger standing after their first year than those guys. All right, I'll give you some fun facts about these sophomore running backs. And again, this list does include Travis Etienne, who is technically Ugh. a third-year guy. What, you don't like that? Yeah, no, he's not, he's not a rookie. I, but I don't know, Jamie, what do you think? Include ETN or no? I mean, we're, the answer is going to be yes, because I put him in the notes, but <laughs> I, I, I would include him for the sake of it's, it's his second year being a featured option. Second year playing in the league. You know, it's his first year. He didn't get a chance yeah. to play. So yeah, come I think on, Dave, fine. come on. Uh, Travis ETN and Damian Pierce had the same amount of carries last season. They both had 220 carries. They were on teams that ranked 29th and 30th in run blocking, according to PFF. So same amount of carries, same amount of run blocking by one metric. Travis Etienne gained 186 more rushing yards on those 220 carries. Uh, Damian Pierce's two longest runs were a 75-yard touchdown run against the Chargers and a 44-yard run against the Giants. Those two teams allowed the most yards per carry to running backs in the NFL. Should we even count those runs or should we azer stat them out? No, you count them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brees Hall scored double-digit fantasy. You understated the whole year for Travis Etienne. Yeah, that's true. Brees Hall scored double-digit PPR points in all seven games he played. That was despite having eight or fewer carries in four of those seven games. Isaiah Pacheco, during his best stretches of the season, uh, the last, I think, eight games of the year for him, and then the playoffs separately, basically, not a top 20 running back per game, if you look at points per game. Um... 
Rashad White had 50 catches. And what, like, if I had told you to list the 50 catch running backs, who would have had Rashad White in there? Kind of forgot about how involved he was late in the season. And Tyler Algier had 17 or more carries in each of his last four games. And in those four games, Cordero Patterson still averaged nine carries per game. The Falcons had the second most running back carries in the NFL behind only Dallas. And my last stat, and I want to get your thoughts on this one. It's hard, you know, historically, it's hard to buy into year or to day three running backs, guys who were drafted in rounds four, five, six, seven, or even undrafted in the NFL draft. You might get one, maybe one and a half, two good years out of them. You don't see a lot of good careers. Uh, Aaron Jones would be a huge exception. Chris Carson had a pretty good career, although injuries derailed that. Uh, but over the last two years, look at the guys we've had drafted in day three. Ramondre Stevenson, Khalil Herbert, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, Damian Pierce was the second pick of round four, so he barely qualified. But I don't know if this is, I don't know how these guys' careers are going to go. But, you know, Pierce, Algier, Pacheco in particular, day three picks. You know, Dave, do you care? Do you care about where they were drafted in the NFL draft as you evaluate them for 2023? I think it might make them easier to be replaced by a team that falls in love with a day two running back and maybe more of like a round two running back. Like there, there, there are going to be a number of round two running backs that are going to be popular this year. You're going to see a lot of them. And let's just say Houston falls in love with Jameer Gibbs and Gibbs is there at the top of round two and they take them. It could happen because they don't have a lot of draft capital and Damian Pierce, and then they could justify it by saying, well, now we've got, you know, an incredible run game, a two-headed monster, blah, blah, blah. So I think that that's the disadvantage of being a running back that was taken in day three. But otherwise, and this is the case at pretty much every position in the NFL, coaches really don't care where you're picked. They care about what you do. And a lot of these running backs that were taken on day three did a lot of really good things in their rookie year. And there's going to be opportunities for them. Whether they're the type of opportunities that we want them to have is a different story than the opportunities that they'll actually get. But there will be opportunities nonetheless for Pierce, for Algier, for Pacheco. These guys aren't about to turn to dust for their teams. Any thoughts on that, Jamie? Anything, anything you want to add? No, I agree. I think the only thing that's going to be interesting is, and, and it'll be somewhat of a domino effect, is if we get some of these guys getting released, Joe Mixon, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, maybe Dalvin Cook, you know, the, these guys that could be some salary cap ramifications that are getting up in years for running back, for the running back position, and a team still values them to the point where they want to bring them in to, but to compete, you know, with, uh, because like Dave alluded to, you know, Houston doesn't have a lot of draft capital per se, or, or a team doesn't have a lot of draft capital. Um, or does not want to spend that on a running back and and wants to just get somebody that's a veteran presence to compete with what is still a young player, you know. So uh, we've obviously seen the Chiefs do this with uh, Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, you know, uh, over the last couple of seasons. Um, so you can see a team taking a, a veteran guy. Now, granted, some of those guys were clearly much more toward the end of their careers than than what a, a Dalvin Cook would be or, or another player along, along those lines. But I think that would then open up the door for you know Minnesota to go get a young running back or Cincinnati to go get a young running back, you know. So um, if that does happen again, it opens up you know an opportunity for somebody else of, of of this draft class that could be pretty special. All right, we'll take a quick detour from this conversation to give you some news and notes, and also tell you about our Facebook group. Are you on the Facebook? Go to Facebook.com and or go to Facebook. You can hit your app and search for fantasy football today. If you can't find it, we have a link in the episode description. Um, and by the way, if you're 
in case you don't know this, you probably do. I put time codes, approximate time codes in the episode descriptions so you can skip around a little bit. They're not going to be exact because of the ads that are in there. I don't know how many ads or which ones are going to air every day. So um, that's why the time codes are not exact. But check the episode description. We have a lot of really good information in there, including links like the Facebook group, uh, ways to follow us, and time codes for the content of the episode. Not every piece of content, but the the big subject line, the big storylines, the big... Uh, subject mattered in the episode. So, you know, please give that a look. Your news and notes, not a lot of it. The Titans released a number of players, including Robert Woods and left tackle Taylor Lewan. Uh, he, he barely played last year. Taylor Lewan uh, might retire. Uh, a couple of reports indicate that Aaron Rodgers could actually return to Green Bay, and maybe they don't. <laughs> maybe they aren't completely done with him. So he's done with his darkness retreat. Dave, did you find anything about the darkness retreat that uh, you? Could I share? did. Okay, what do you got? It uh, it's in Southern Oregon, where you basically live like a hobbit for three days. You you do have some nice amenities like hot water, spring water to drink. Uh, there appears to be a bathroom in each cave, but it's solidarity. Uh, I don't know if that's solitude, the right word. solitude, solitude, yeah. <laughs> solidarity. Be one with the <laughs> cave. Everyone's in uh, it together. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it seems like a good place to go and just think and unplug. And I would, I, I kind of want to do it. It sounds kind of like no, something that you're so you need full to do of it. when you unwind. Oh, listen, can I get Hangar 45 to deliver pizza to me there to my cave? You wouldn't be able to see what's on it. I think there's light in the cave. It, okay, I need to know that. That's a big deal. Is there like there's the no cave? TV? There's is no there, Wi-Fi. Yeah, is there TV? You better get on the, the wait list. The, the, there's a whole story on on ESPN. Um, it's booked for the next 18 months. Oh there's my a wait gosh. List. They are so. Aaron Rodgers did a big service for them, huh? I mean, like this got super popular. I guess. Okay, I'll, yeah, I could. There's never. They're like I couldn't even imagine a scenario where I would do something like this. My gosh! But would I, you let me live three days in your office, Adam, with the cockroach? <laughs> sure. You take care of the pest problem. Man, the no entrance, no the entrance to this place is like so creepy looking. Really? That's like just the, I mean, the one, the picture that I'm seeing here, it's, it's called the sky cave and it's just like surrounded by snow, like the doorway. Like you're just walking into, you're literally walking to a cave. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I, I was, yeah, no, forgot my bit. Tell cave stories. They're boring. Caves are really dark, and that's the kind of the point. There's no, no, very little light coming in. Uh, Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell thinks Kyler Murray could return earlier than midseason, which, yeah, I think we were all expecting that. It was vague. So don't count on him for week one as of now. But I was surprised. I mean, they haven't ruled Kyler Murray out for week one, but you got, you see guys return that quickly. Yeah. I think Chris if he Godwin returns, guess, he won't be very good. I'm going to guess they're taking it as a rebuilding year. Yeah, let him sit out the whole stupid. No, year. Don't don't rush him back. Right. Yeah. Go get the number one pick, and then trade Kyler. All right. Why don't we uh, Why don't we take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll break down all of the sophomore running back backs, including Travis Etienne. Sorry, Dave. <sighs> and we'll be right back on fantasy football today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are back. All right, here we go. Rank your top four sophomore running backs, including Travis Etienne. No. All Walker, Etienne, Algier. Is this for 2023 or yeah. for Dynasty? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. We can do, let's do Dynasty Talk too. It's, I'll put it right here, Dynasty. Uh, Brees Hall, Ken Walker, Travis Etienne. You said Algier? No. Dam- over Damian Pierce? Oh, I'm sorry. Pierce, fourth. Okay, I figured that would be the top four, but we'll see what order. So Jamie says Hall, Walker, Etienne, Pierce. Dave, you say? If it's, it's for Dynasty, it's Hall, Walker, Pierce. I think I'll say Algier next. Okay, it's not for Dynasty. It's for 2023. Then it's Walker, Hall, and then definitely Pearson, Algier. No, if you don't put Travis Etienne in this show. He's going into his third season. I am putting Adam. you in He's a cave. He's not a sophomore running back. No, okay, Dave, this is important. We are putting him in the show. We have one season of Travis Etienne to evaluate him on. Just I think like we should put Derrick Henry in the show, too. <laughs> just because. So I'm going to rank them. Henry, Walker, Hall, Etienne, Pollard, Mixon. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll play along for the rest of the show. Uh, 2023, Walker, Brees, Etienne, Pierce. All of them top 15 fantasy running backs. Okay. Same four differences. Jamie has Brees Hall, Ken Walker. Dave has Ken Walker, Brees Hall. Uh, Dave, what scenario do you say? Oh, that's it. Brees Hall's number one in this group. He looks fantastic in August. Doesn't look like a guy that had a torn ACL and is working his way back. And that, that'll take a lot for me. I need to see that. I'm not going to make that change until it really looks like Brees Hall will not be limited at all. Opposite question to you, Jamie. At what point do you put Brees Hall behind Ken Walker? If he's struggling. I mean, right now I have Walker ranked higher, but I'm, you know, based on what uh, the, the reports a couple of days ago were, you know, Hall seems to be on track to be ready for his start of camp. And if he's ready for the start of camp, I think he's, got more upside than Ken Walker. Not by much, but, but more upside. I think we need a YouTube poll here because Zach Brooke, our producer, uh, just asked a question. If Adam, Dave, and Dan... Oh, Dave, you got to get Jamie on there too. You can get a four-person poll. All did the darkness retreat. Who would leave first? So let's make a YouTube oh, poll. It, me, Dave, I, I Adam, Dan. Leave the order. Dave would leave first? For sure. Oh, disagree. I would leave last. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Jamie, nobody can call me when I'm in the cave. I mean, <laughs> nobody. Yeah, but the, you, your wife would find a way to get to you. <laughs> There's a knock at the door. <laughs> She'll fly to Oregon. All right, so put up a YouTube poll. We'll check on that a little bit later. I can make the retreat a lot better, I have to say. Rank your next four. So I'm talking about, like, I'm looking at guys like Algier, Pacheco, James Cook, and then, gosh, I don't know, Rashad, Rashad White. White. Would that be the fourth? Brian, no, Brian, Brian report, Robinson. Um, Sorry, Brian Robinson would be in that equation, too. 
So, so Greg Allman, uh, who covers the NFC South for uh, Fox Sports and used to cover the Bucks, um, with the new offense coordinator in in Tampa Bay, suggested that there's a possibility that the Bucks move on from Leonard Fournette and bring in Rashad Penny as a compliment to Rashad White. And so, if that's the case, Rashad White would clearly be the starter. Um, he, he's 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 in that next four. Okay, so yeah. you, so you would definitively put him. Over Brian Robinson. I think that would only be... I would put him over Brian Robinson in PPR if he's a starter. All right. So give me your next four then. My next four would be Algier, Pacheco, Cook, and White, assuming Devin Singletary is gone and no upgrade is brought into Buffalo. Okay. Dave? Algier, Pacheco, White, Robinson. Not James Cook. Not James Cook. Why not? not? Why, why Brian Robinson over James Cook? I think he'll be the lead rushing downs back for the commanders under Eric Bieniemy's vision of the offense. I don't think he'll have the chance to catch a lot of passes, but I think he'll have the chance to score a good dose of touchdowns. I think he's a capable running downs back. I think the offensive line is going to be solid for Washington, maybe even better. And we'll see what they have in Sam Howell, but you can't rule out them trying to upgrade a quarterback and making things a little bit better there. I think that there will be some good opportunities for Robinson. I don't know what the opportunities are going to be for James Cook. Okay, and Jamie, why James Cook? You have him third among this group, seventh overall, ahead of Rashad White, ahead of, ahead of Brian Robinson. Make the case for James Cook. I, I think if he gets a chance to be the featured guy there, he could be fun. And so um, I'm excited to see how that could look um, with, obviously, depending on who else is brought in or still there to compete with him. But um, in the opportunities when he got a chance to um, you know, play like a full-time running back. You know, not that it happened a, a lot, but, you know, when his carries were up, he certainly looked impressive to me. So uh, I'm excited about what I think could be, you know, a little bit of a change of philosophy where they run the ball a little bit more. All right. Uh, who among this group of running backs, these sophomore running backs, including Travis Etienne, has the most upside other than Brees Hall? Walker? Aside from Breesall, everybody else on the table? Yes. ETN. Oh, I forgot that we were included. <laughs> so yeah, ETN and Walker, sure. Okay, yeah. So that's it is either one of them, I assume, for most people. You know, I don't know that anyone's gonna make a case for someone else, but Dave, now that you remember that I guess, ETN I guess I guess White, if he's the featured guy there and there's a good quarterback, he could he could be fun. Um Cook. There's, there's plenty of potential there. Uh, and then if Pacheco got more involved in the passing game, my goodness. I'd throw Damian Pearson there too. Houston's offense figures to have a new quarterback. They'll probably be better overall. He proved to be pretty good despite the circumstances last year. I'd like to see Damian Pierce as the feature guy in Houston, catching passes, being a factor in their offense. I think he'd do a pretty good job. I think he's got really good upside too. As much as Etienne and Walker... Probably not quite as much, but close. Right, but but okay, obviously, if you just look at it right now, who's got the most upside? It's one of those top three. It's, well, it's Brees Hall, and then it's Ken Walker or Travis Etienne, right? So those were your answers. Dave, you did not answer this question, though. If you were including Travis Etienne, who has more upside, Etienne or Ken Walker? I suppose I'll say Etienne on the hunch that the Jaguars don't do much to improve their run game this offseason, and they've already had plans in place to improve their passing game. 
And so it's going to be hard for defenses to really adjust to what ETN would be if he actually did get a good workload, did more in the passing game. His workload goes a step higher than it was in 2022. So he would have the potential for double-digit touchdowns, plus 40 catches, maybe get you close to 1,500 total yards. And I don't know if Kenneth Walker has quite that exact upside. I think he's close. He might have a chance to get 12 touchdowns, Walker. But the catches, not sure. And the total yardage, I'm just not sure. Let me give you an ETN versus Walker statistic here and tell me what you guys think. So A's are statting this. I'm going to give you their 17-game paces in what I consider, you know, the, and I think anybody would, the most representative sample size. So this was when Travis Etienne and Ken Walker got rid of, of Robinson and Penny and became the feature backs and removing one game for each of them. Travis Etienne played five snaps against Baltimore, got hurt. Ken Walker had three carries against the Rams, got hurt. So if you just look at the games where they started and finished, Travis Etienne was on pace for 279 carries and 37 catches. Ken Walker was on pace for 343 carries, 64 more, and only one fewer catch. So that was the kind of the surprising thing, is that neither of them was even on a 40-catch pace. Uh, in you know, ETN actually was more involved in the passing game before James Robinson got traded, when he wasn't as involved in the running game. But after the trade, he was like three targets a game, basically. So anyway... You can't the, the workload is a landslide win last year for Ken Walker when they both became starting running backs, uh, and the catches were even. The, obviously, I, I'm not saying that's going to carry over from one year to the next, but what do you make of that? Well, I think if you just look at situations, um, obviously, Seattle's now gone through two quarterbacks uh, for the most part under Pete Carroll and you know variety of offense coordinators, but their track record has just not been throwing two running backs. So, you know, whether it's Geno Smith taking the cue from Russell Wilson and just not, you know, doing the same type of things or clearly just being the weapons there, you know, when things break down, he's looking more downfield as opposed to, you know, a, a security blanket. And Doug Peterson, you know, we, we talked about this a lot with his Eagles offense um, where he had two 50 catch guys. One was Darren Sproles. One was LaShawn McCoy as a rookie. He's tendency, his tendencies as a coach and play caller aren't necessarily to throw to his running backs as well. And so, you know, we thought, Oh, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, you know, the, the, the rapport, the connection that they had at Clemson, that should certainly carry over. And it just didn't happen um, in, in this past season. So I don't think you're going to expect a dramatic turn in reception totals for these guys in a positive way. You know, I think probably 35, 40 is, is where they'll max out. But if there was one guy to do it, you would expect that probably to be Etienne. And so I do think that there is still that chance that that's the next wrinkle that comes to this offense if there is going to be a different wrinkle, especially if Evan Ingram is no longer there and they don't have that reliable tight end, even though Calvin Ridley comes into the fold. So there's, I think when you look at both these guys, Walker to me profiles as the better of the two because you alluded to this. You know, he's going to have more carries. That's just the nature of Pete Carroll. That's the nature, I think, of what that offense will be. And I think Travis Etienne, you know, Dan has certainly hammered this point home a lot every time he's been on. He is not sold on ETN being the featured guy there. He thinks he's going to take more of a complimentary role, which I think as we debated uh, last time, that that could still lead to maybe like an Alvin Kamara type season, a um, Austin Eckler type season, you know, where you're not getting a ton of carries, but you're still being productive. However, it's getting done. Those guys have obviously done it from a more reception-based situation. So I, I think there's a lot to like about both of them. I would lean more toward Walker as having the higher ceiling. Just remember what is in ETN's profile 
he's he's he profiles as the much better pass catcher, and he did it in college. 37 receptions in 2019, 48 in 2020. So the Jaguars have to know that he can do that. They've got to figure out a way to involve him and just take that next step with him. Maybe they chalk it up to, all right, his rookie year, that he's finally healthy. Let's not put too much on ETN's plate. And now that he's had that year, they ramp it up a little bit. We both talked about that, James. So but I think that that files into ETN's upside and what makes him maybe a little bit more attractive is that he can maybe break through that 40-catch number. Now, I do think, you know, not not to speak for Dan, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this is his argument, that he doesn't think that ETN is the right fit for what Doug Peterson wants to do in how he wants to run his offense from just a running back perspective. Not that he's not physical enough to run between tackles. So I think that's certainly not the case. Uh, but as Dan noted, this is not the regime coaching-wise, certainly the regime GM-wise. Urban Meyer, I think, had a plan for what Travis Etienne was going to be. Remember, he said he wanted Kadarius Toney. Um, they drafted Etienne, I think, to kind of be, and, and, and I go back to what Peterson said at the owners' meeting last year. You know, They kind of thought when they had Robinson at the time that Etienne was kind of going to play a little bit of this Debo Samuel role, you know, that's what everybody was saying at the time. Um, but, you know, more of a pass-catching role as opposed to just a natural running back. And then they probably saw, okay, that he can do some of these things, which is, you know, I think the pushback to what Dan is saying. But if they do decide to bring somebody else in, ETN is going to have to make plays as a receiver because I think if he loses carries, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I do have a comment here I want to read because I, I don't know if a lot of people feel this way, but I think it's possible. So let's just address this. We have a guy, Office Depot, he's in all of our all of our YouTube live streams. You can watch them, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. And uh, he's a frequent commenter, so thank you for being part of it. He says, I like Ken Walker, but his play style is that of old reliable, not a game breaker. And then um, he, right, right. And then he went on to say, I prefer the rare dude who might break loose for 90 yards. However, I'd take Walker over ETN in a draft right now. But we should address that because Ken Walker is actually much more explosive than people might realize. And he, in fact, was the most boomer bust running back on a carry by carry basis in football. He, he basically had the the most bad carries and the highest percentage not not the highest of percentage, but of all you know he had a really low a really high rate of zero and negative yard carries and a really high rate of explosive runs, Dave. So the, Ken Walker is an explosive running back. He was number one among the rookie running backs in explosive runs. He had 24 of them last year. And he was uh, definitely toward the bottom of number of runs for zero or negative yards. Just like you said, 23.7% of his runs were for zero or negative yards. And 10.5% of his runs were good for 12 plus yards. 28.9% were good for five plus yards. So These are all good numbers. These are all high numbers. They rank high. They're all very high numbers. Yeah. Um, very boomer bust. Right. And I wonder if that becomes I, – I, I think that that's the stat that changes for Ken Walker as a second-year player, where maybe he sees the field a little bit better, doesn't have as many negative runs. His offensive line certainly will be more experienced. Those tackles, they're going into their second year. The interior of that line has room to improve. So they could be better. And that would help Walker be better. The explosive runs, I don't see that going away. He's in his second season. He's a young guy. He's been explosive, not just at Michigan State, but at Wake Forest too. I, I think that that's the, where you could see some serious improvement from Walker in his second season is a lot fewer of those negative runs and more of those 5-plus to 12-plus yard runs. 
His, uh, his breakaway runs were third in the NFL at the position. His breakaway run, run rate was eighth in the NFL at the position. His evaded tackles were 10th in the NFL. His juke rate was 12th in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, these, these, are all, these are all very impressive things. By the way, which running back, minimum 100 carries, I believe, according to True Media, ranked number one in avoid rate? So avoided tackles. One of these sophomores. Bam Knight. No. No, he didn't have 100 he didn't carries. Have 100 now. He had 85, but I'm, he, he had an avoided tackle rate of 42%. Oh, wow. That's pretty high. Damian uh, Pierce. Damian Pierce, yeah. Damian Pierce avoided the most tackles. Okay, let's go to our next one. Who has the most bust potential in this group of sophomore running backs? Oh, you're As not they stand right now? Or? Yeah. It's brief. Yeah. You think so? Yes. I mean, if he's not right. I mean, you know, we, we, we went through a whole lessons learned. Weren't you the one that said you're not going to buy into injured players? Uh, drafting yes. them high. Yes. Okay. So let's let's take him out of the equation then. Just like the upside question. <laughs> Other than Brees Hall, who has the most bust potential? Without players being added for competition. I think so. Yeah. There's just so many different ways you can go because, like, you know, Rashad White could bust as the featured guy there. Pacheco could bust as the featured guy there. You know, I mean, like, it's. Uh, I'll it's, just start there. I'll say it's Damian Pierce because first of all, you have to factor in. You have to factor in draft capital, right? Like it's easier to be a bust in the third round than it is in the sixth round. Um, yeah, I'd go Pacheco because he's a seventh-round pick. Seventh round? He went in the sixth round in the draft we did. Raise no, no, no. NFL draft. Oh, okay, okay. Um, right, but he'll be later in the— I'm sorry. I was talking about fantasy rounds. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I, I think you know Pacheco has the ability to get overdrafted Yeah. because of he's the Chiefs running back and doesn't catch passes, could easily be— replaced by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or somebody else, you know, even on the roster. So for me, it would probably be Pacheco. Yeah, I, I think, by the way, one of the things that scares me about this group in general is that pretty much none of them reliably catch passes except for Rashad White last year, but that could definitely change without Tom Brady. And Brees Hall, I would say, what was reliable <laughs> in that regard, but things are going to change in that system too. So you you may not have a 50-catch running back. Uh, you probably will, but you may not. I don't know. But Pacheco and, and, and Pierce could be like 20-catch running backs. I don't know. But, Dave, who would you say has the most bust potential? What team is James Cook on again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's as simple as that. Buffalo has running backs that will have sporadic good games. Sometimes we'll see them coming. Sometimes we won't. And they certainly have learned to use multiple running backs, and they don't put a lot of capital into any of them. But they didn't at the end of the 2020 season, 2021 season. Evan Singletary was a star. Was it because they didn't really have anybody left that they trusted? Yeah, big part of that. So if if they escape with Cook and retreads, then there's a lot to like about him. Who has the most bust potential in Dynasty? Who well? How, okay, how would you change your rankings in Dynasty? I guess from what we just talked about. Um, I would probably say ETN just because he's he's a little older. We're factoring in that as part of this group. Is he? Like I, I, I wonder because I thought he's he came in a little league. bit older. Let me see what his birthday is. The stuff that we need to yeah, know. Yeah, he's twenty four. Yeah, so he's a little older. That makes sense. 
Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything uh, right? Uh, I think you could make the case to sell high on Dynasty on Robinson, Pacheco, Algier, um, Rashad White. I think looking for a running back. Pierce, if you could sell sell significantly high on Pierce, I would consider it. Yeah. I mean, what's the realistic shelf life for those guys? How how about this? This is the question. How many running backs that are now coming into their second year will still be relevant in fantasy in – 2026. Ooh, 26. Let's let's do 2025. 2026 is a long time. Can we do 25? We compromise. Sure. Well, laser stat the year that came <laughs> off the top of my head. So that means uh, that means two good seasons and then still relevant three seasons from now. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to do. But what do you think? No, I, you could you could almost say zero. Like I would say Walker and and Hall, and that's it. I feel like you can make the case for Pierce. I think he proved that last year. The avoided tackle rate, the catches, the fact that he did well on a bad team. I think he could I mean, be look, one of those guys. You got you got potentially some durability concerns because he was never a feature guy in college and didn't make it through his rookie season. And so those type of guys tend to get replaced too. He's really interesting. He how good was he? I mean, last year he was on a per game basis number 20 in non-PPR, number 21 in full PPR. He didn't score a lot of touchdowns. He scored uh, a touchdown in three straight games early in the season, I think weeks four through six or something like that, and then didn't score again until his last game of the year against the Cowboys. Um, 4.3 yards per carry is fine, but not, you know, it's nowhere near Travis Etienne. It's it's not it's nothing uh, exceptional, but he was just a lot better than I thought he was. I think he was a lot better than most people thought he was going to be. He ran a really, really slow 40. Um, and he doesn't really have breakaway speed, but he makes the most out of what he has. I think everyone was probably really impressed with Damian Pierce. Not only does he avoid a lot of tackles, he breaks a lot of tackles. I mean, he is very hard to bring down. Um, to me, he's one of the biggest surprises of the year. I just didn't really expect much from him. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't know what to make of him. But he does, he does for some reason, he just kind of feels like a guy like an Alfred Morris uh, who... Had a really good rookie year, and that was just never the same. And I as, I don't know. Maybe it's a bias thing because I wasn't expecting that much from him last year. Uh, I can't quite figure it out. There's something about Damian Pierce that that I just don't love. It's probably the Texans, too. I mean, it's, it's just a bad situation, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you got to hope that new coach, hopefully upgraded quarterback. I mean, they, they were as, as stripped down as a team you could find you know, last year, especially when Brandon Cooks decided he was going to take some time off. So... With Nico Collins not being, I mean, it just it was a bad receiving core, and you got to give him credit for what he was able to do on that team. Um, just some of those numbers I gave you before with with Ken Walker, uh, the difference, the breakaway run rate. Uh, I think Walker was eighth, Pierce is thirty sixth. Breakaway want, runs, uh, Walker had seventeen, Pierce had nine, but again, that's factoring in time missed as well. So, but he was twenty second in that regard. Uh, but evaded tackles, he was eleventh. So when he was making people miss, he was making people miss. So wait, who was 11th? Pierce? Pierce. Yeah, I mean, this is what's so annoying about... I, I don't know, what, what source are you using for that? Player profile. Yeah, I mean, right, it's... He's number one in avoided tackles. Well, actually, that was a minimum 100 carries, so maybe that's the difference. But these are subjective stats, okay? The, a broken tackle, uh, th- there could be different uh, definitions of that. Right, hand on you, make a guy miss, it's too different. Right, totally. So that's, the advanced stats are certainly not perfect. 
Um, all right, anything else you guys want to say? Let's who's give me a sleeper from the 2022 draft class. Like uh, Zamir White. Zamir White. Yeah, I was gonna say. Anyone else? What about Hassan Haskins? But Zamir White will certainly be not a sleeper if he's the starter right. there for the Raiders. Yeah. Um, I think you know. Uh, I don't know. I guess Rashad White and James Cook don't qualify because they'll be breakout candidates if they get those jobs. Um. How about Jerome Ford? Could be the number two running back in Cleveland behind Chubb. Yeah. You know, I like, uh, I've drafted him a lot in our dynasty drafts. Malik Davis. I was about, um, yeah. If they go with yeah. one of those guys, whether it's Zeke and Davis or Pollard and Davis, there could be a path to some success there for an undrafted free agent. So he's somebody that I, I, I tend to gravitate toward in dynasty drafts. Cool. Startup dynasty drafts. All right, let's spend the rest of the show talking about Tyler Algier. I guess the group of Algier, Pacheco, uh, James Cook, Brian Robinson, Rashad White. Okay, that next group of five. You both had, uh, let me see, check the rankings. I know Jamie had Algier first there. Dave, you also had Algier. So what, Dave, let's start with you. What's your outlook for Tyler Algier? I think he's the type of running back that Arthur Smith wants. Physical. Um, can make guys miss a little bit, but more importantly, can bowl guys over and pick up extra yards, and he can catch. And we started to see that toward the end of the year when he started to get work in that Atlanta offense. That's an offensive line that if they bring it back in 2023 is not bad. And I'm curious to see. I, I thought about this this morning. Two drafts ago, the Falcons got Kyle Pitts. And then in the 2022 draft, they took Drake London. Those were their top picks in each of those drafts. And they paired them with Marcus Mariota and an old Matt Ryan. And then Desmond Ritter late last season. I wonder what this offense would look like if they actually had like a reasonably competent quarterback. And that would force defenses to kind of respect the run a little bit less. They'd have to respect the pass a lot more because of the talent that they have at wide receiver and tight end, the young talent that they have. And I think that would make things a lot easier for Algier. I'm kind of excited and intrigued by Algier, especially at the cost on draft day where we think we can get him. Jamie, what do you think? Uh, Do you think Algier should be... Well, give me a round. When would you draft Tyler Algier? I think I took him in the fifth round in our last draft. Um, So, you know, he's... I think, you you know, again, depending on what happens with Rashad White and, and James Cook, that group, which... Algier or Pacheco may may kick it off, but it's Pacheco, Algier, Algier, Pacheco, Robinson, White, Cook. You know, they're all going to go, I think, in a similar range. And it will be interesting to see who has the most upside. I do think, again, he could be somebody that's seeing a complementary option with him, you know, whether they move on from Patterson or they decide to bring Patterson back. But clearly they liked what they saw from him last year. And as Dave alluded to, you know, he's he's the type of guy that I think Arthur Smith wants to use, which is a physical running back, you know, former linebacker. Uh, converted to the position. Well, I think he swapped back and forth. Started at college and running back, switched linebacker, and then went back to running back. Um, but you know, plenty of plenty of upside. But you know, not going to be heavily involved in the passing game, which is always the the trap that we fall into with these type of guys. If they're not scoring yeah. and they're not catching passes, then it's a it's a miserable stat one. Indeed. All right, give me your outlook. Oh wait, I have to give you an update on the poll, which I'm crushing, by the way, which is not a good thing. If Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Dan all did the darkness retreat, who would leave first? I'm getting 60% of the vote right now. So, Jamie, you're second, 27%. Dave, 8%. Dan, 5%. Oh, yeah. Take that, guys. I'll order you a pizza 
as I leave early. I'm you, surprised you would. I mean, you basically are in a cave right now. You just have television. <laughs> I just, I have, I'm such a wimp. I could never do it. You have to have some, you have to have some courage to do that. And I really don't have that. I'm one, I, I don't remember which one. Oh, the cowardly lion. I'm the lion. That's me. No courage. I would love just to be able to sleep. Mm. Like four days of sleep would be great. I think we get a little old after one day. Uh, Rashad White, give me your outlook on Rashad White. I guess the question is, you know, Jamie, you were talking about the scenario where they get rid of Fournette and Rashad White is the main running back there. Do you really think that's who he is? Do you really think he's more than just a complimentary back? He had one game with 20 carries. That was the game where Fournette got hurt. Never had more than 14 carries in any other game. He was usually around 11 or so. Uh, is he more of a change of pace guy, Rashad White, or do you think he could handle 200-plus carries over a season? I don't know 200-plus. I think you know somewhere in the 180 to 210 range is probably where you'd like to max out with him. But you certainly saw the ability to catch the ball. Uh, clearly, the quarterback is going to matter there for, for Tampa Bay and whoever he's sharing with. But I, you know, I, I, I lean on Pete Prisco on this one because he's an ASU guy, and that's where, uh, that's where White played. And so he watched a ton of you know, uh, Arizona State games. And he didn't come away particularly overwhelmed that he was going to be a dominant running back in the NFL. So I think, you know, if he's if he's in that complimentary role, is probably a little bit better or, you know, not necessarily a true workhorse type of guy. But I still think that is let's just say, you know, Derek Carr goes there and it's it's a veteran quarterback that can still keep this offense afloat. And it's not the Kyle Trask or rookie route then there's a lot to like about what Tampa Bay can still be in that division. And so I think the lead running back there, White, Fournette, who else is you know there, is, is something that you'd like to take a stab at depending on the, the the draft capital. So round six would be the earliest I would probably look at it. But you know if I can get it round seven later or later, that'd be great. Um, but we know how starting running backs go. They don't typically last longer than that. So I think that's about the spot I would take a chance on Rashad White. And Dave, give me your outlook for Brian Robinson, who had a pretty... I would say a bad year, uh, but I think there was potentially a pretty good excuse for that. We know, obviously, he got shot and did not have a typical season. Started to do better late in the year, but I think part of that was facing the Giants twice and the Falcons. He crushed those teams. Other than that, he was a pretty inefficient running back. But what do you think about Brian Robinson, who did have 205 carries as a rookie, only nine catches in 12 games? You summarized it properly. It was a weird year for him where it looked like he was on track to open the season as the commander's leading running back. And then the incident where he got shot delayed that quite a bit. Maybe we didn't quite see the best of Brian Robinson. You could say that there's a chance we never do because of what happened to him uh, in August. Hopefully that's not the case. He's He's got the chance to be a low-end number two fantasy running back. I don't know if he's got that upside as, as a running downs back that Ken Walker has or that Damian Pierce has. I, I think that there's a lot more to be nervous about with him, which is why you're not taking him with a with a pick in the first 60 overall on draft day. You might not even take him with the first 70 overall on draft day. You probably won't. I think he's a round, late round seven, round eight type of pick, and you hope that he's your RB3 to start the year and he turns into an RB2. So not a lot of upside. Maybe he scores seven touchdowns. Maybe there's potential for a little bit more than that. Let's give him a little bit of credit. See how the offense ends up being with Biennemi calling the plays. Could be he Jamal Williams. Feel like a Biennemi. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, he doesn't feel like a Biennemi running back. That's the problem. 
I think, you know, if, if you look at what they've done in Kansas City, you know, big physical type of guy is not necessarily the MO there if they're going to run the same offense. So, you know, it's like we'll, we'll have to see what this, what this group looks like and how much the enemy's own influence compared to whatever Andy Reid's influence was is going to dictate what this, you know, personnel group looks like. So if they're going to be a ground and pound type of team, then Brian Robinson's got a lot of appeal. If they're going to be a aired out type of team, then you know he's going to have to score a lot of touchdowns and only scored three last year. So, not not a lot to love about this this change in coordinator for him at least right now. But didn't Ron Rivera say he wanted to run the ball more? I think most coaches, certainly most old school coaches, certainly most old school defensive coaches, always say they want to run the ball more. I just I thought that so, was a quote. Like we want to run the ball. Oh, more. I'm not disagreeing with that. I, but know, I could but be wrong. It's, I have it's, to try it's to find something it. that you know. They have the personnel to do it. I mean, they've said this. You know, the offensive line is certainly in a good enough place. Um, young quarterback, you know, that you don't necessarily make me want to put a lot on his plate. But if, you know, this goes back to what we had this conversation with the enemy taking the job. Is it going to be that offense with different variations? Then it's probably bad for Brian Robinson. If it's going to be the enemy's offense and he wants to, you know, maybe lean a little bit more toward the the run game and and feature that and take some pressure off his young quarterback. Then I think Brian Robinson's got a chance to maybe surprise people. Yeah, this is from the ESPN article after they fired offensive coordinator Scott Turner. There appeared to be a divide between Rivera's vision for what he wanted offensively, led by a power run game, and Turner's vertical passing attack. Rivera, and then it goes on to say, during their season finale news conference. Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew both emphasized the desire to be a more physical running team. So, score that in in the favor of Brian Robinson, but sure, we'll see. All right, let's read some emails. FantasyFootball at CBSI.com. This one comes from Jason from Seattle. I'm in a 12-team non-PPR dynasty league, and I just made the following trade. I gave Nick Chubb Garrett Wilson, and pick 1.5 in the rookie draft. Nick Chubb, Garrett Wilson, and 1.5. Mm. For Justin Jefferson, pick 211, and a 2024 second-round pick. I did have somewhat of a monster team to begin with, so I thought that this would be this would improve my team by upgrading my starting lineup. Uh, he has still has Barkley, Mixon, Brian, not great at running back, and trading Chubb away. He'll have Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Travis Kelsey, A.J. Brown, Jamison Williams, Juju. It's a good team. Very good team here. So he just got Justin Jefferson and two second-round picks. He gave up Nick Chubb, Garrett Wilson, and the fifth pick of the rookie draft. It's a non-PPR team, uh, non-PPR league. What do you think about the trade? Uh, so I think if you were to trade Nick Chubb separately, you wouldn't – I think you'd be hard-pressed to get a first-round pick for him because he's 28 and doesn't have a lot of time left. So what if we say that you got two twos for Nick Chubb? You'd say that's a great deal. And then you're effectively giving up your first-round pick last year, which was Wilson, along with your first-round pick this year, which is not going to be one of the top elite running backs. There, This isn't a group that has an elite wide receiver in it. And you got Justin Jefferson. I think this is a win. I think you got a great deal, Steve. The only no, problem, Jason. <laughs> Jason, yes. The only problem will be is if Garrett Wilson rapidly closes the gap on Justin Jefferson, because if that's the case, 
which is probably not going to happen next year. But by two years from now, if they have the right quarterback in place, especially Hall of Famer Derek Carr, according to them. Yeah, right. um, but if they have the right quarterback in place um, and Jefferson, let's just say, doesn't have a Kirk Cousins and he's in a rebuilding mode, then you're going to regret it. But I think in the short term, yes, you, you, got, you got the win of the trade. Okay, next email comes from Tom, not Steve, in Toronto. Hey, Thermo, Barrow, Speedo, and Trusto. I don't know. I think these are car things. Bathing suits. Yeah, Dave, where's the Speedo? I committed to a rebuild in my league last year, and I feel like I picked too many good young players. I can only keep four, but there are no limits. It's a four-keeper league, no limits, non-PPR, three receivers, and... All right, I guess he wants us to pick four. Um, Ken Walker, Brees Hall, J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams. All right, so let me eliminate some guys. Pick four from this group. It's non-PPR. You have to start three receivers. Ken Walker, Brees Hall, Lamb, A.J. Brown, Olave, Garrett Wilson, and I guess I'll throw Dobbins in there. I would go with... The first two running backs, Lamb and Wilson. No, I go Lamb and Najee Brown. Sorry. It comes down to Brown and Wilson for me, too. The first three are slam dunks, especially because it's non-PPR. I think if you believe that Garrett Wilson's going to be... If you believe that Garrett Wilson's going to close the gap with Justin Jefferson, you're not going to want to throw him back. And uh, (laughs) the price to do that would be letting go of A.J. Brown, which is steep, but you'd be able to theoretically keep Garrett Wilson for longer. Yeah. Or you just I do, I do like Garrett backs. Wilson a lot, so I think I would go that route. I think I'd keep Wilson over Brown. Or you keep one of the running backs, Hall or Walker, and Which then just one? keep Lamb, Brown, and Wilson. Okay. Uh, how about an email from Scott in Texas? See? Pflugerville, Texas. No, you said Steve. I said Scott. You st- Sure. Dear Thomas, Arthur, Finn, and John. Those are from Peaky Blinders. I inherited a dynasty team last year with terrible depth at running back. It's going to be a painful rebuild, but I had the first overall pick last year, and I took Brees Hall. My next best running back is McKinnon and then maybe Chuba Hubbard. I have two first-round picks this year, number three and number seven, and I also have the fourth pick in the second round. Should I do everything in my power to trade up to number one and get B. John Robinson to go with Brees Hall, even if it means selling the farm? Or do I keep my draft capital and take multiple swings at other running backs? He has three, seven, and what? Three, seven, and then the fourth pick of round two. And it's a 12-team league? Don't know. Assume, I guess. Yeah. So I think the question will become, will somebody else emerge that knocks Bijan down to then cause a trickle-down effect? You know, so is 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 Robinson, no matter where he gets drafted in the NFL draft, guaranteed to be the number one pick in Dynasty? So if that's the answer, then you know that there could be another running back going ahead of you at three. Then yes, you might want to try and jump up to the one spot. But the, I, you know, I don't I don't think you necessarily want to overpay because, I mean, you, you think about go back, you know, to to tie in our our show here. Oh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire for the most part was the consensus number one running back taken that year, and clearly he was not the best by far. Okay. And it is a deep running back class, so I don't know. If, if right. The, if but, the trade were three and seven for the first pick, would you do that? 
If, if Robinson ends up in the right situation, like say, let's just say the Bengals draft Bijan Robinson and move on for Joe Mixon, then slam dunk. Yeah, hundred percent, he's worth the number one pick. Mm-hmm. All right, you're guaranteed one of Bijan, Charbonnet, and Gibbs, and then you can take another swing at a running back, like he suggested at seven, or you take what will probably be one of the top three wide receivers that are still there at seven. I think one of them will make it there. So. I, I think I'm leaning against making the trade if it's the three, the seven, and the second round pick, or even worse, the three, the seven, and a first round pick next year. Yeah, that's a lot. Okay, well, Bijan's good, but I think Charbonnet and, and Gibbs are going to be good too. Dave can't get the names right, but we'll let him do a city here for AJ, our last emailer. AJ from. Let's go with a cave in Washington, not <laughs> Oregon. Ha. 10-team full PPR, 1QB dynasty league. I have picks 1.3 through 1.9, seven wow. first-round picks in a 10-team league. What is the least I could offer that would get the Justin Jefferson owner to smash accept? Three, four, five, and six. <sighs> That's the least. Start. That's you start least. lower than that. Start lower than that. I don't think you. I don't think it's gonna. Uh, that's the type of overpay. Because you don't have the one on one. I wouldn't. I. I wouldn't offer. I that wouldn't originally. Either. I wouldn't. Well, what would you do if you wanted Justin Jefferson? You had all those players. I would beg and plead and you know try to steal and all the other stuff that you're not supposed to do. But I'd like to know what the the Jefferson owner's record is. Because if they stink, then, you know, what if the Jefferson manager has one of the first two picks? Yeah. Try to get those also. <laughs> who, you could look at who, who's your best receiver and try and pair that with, you're going to have to give up 103 at minimum. Maybe what you could just... offer, like, let's say your best receiver is, maybe you've got Olave. Yeah. You can offer Olave. 106 and 109. That should offer that, 103 that, that might and be four. more than enough to See get. What Maybe you can give just three and six with Olave. Maybe you've or got you, to understand, you, though, it, in any startup dynasty league, I think Justin Jefferson's going to go first. So he's the crown jewel of dynasty right now. Why is it well, not Jamar Chase? Yeah, I was going to say, if you can't get Jefferson, just try and see what you can get for Chase. You might be able there to get you go. or CD Lamb. This is what I would do. I would I would reach out to the Jefferson and the Chase managers, and I would say, I've got seven picks in the first round. Make me an offer. And go from there. Why do you have to be the one who makes the offer? The best, A lot of times, the best trades I make, I say, hey, I've yep. got Jonathan Taylor. Who wants him? Make me some offers. I did that in three leagues last year. I traded him in two leagues. I won both the trades. So it's a, I, that's what I would do. All right. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. It's also like, you know, you, you can, the, the, the trickle down, if you're trying to improve your receiving core, if it's not Jefferson or Chase, you know, maybe you don't have a lobby. Maybe you're trying to get a lobby. Maybe you're trying to get Garrett Wilson. Maybe you're trying to get, like they said, CD Lamb. You know, there's other, other ways to go to still improve your team without trusting a rookie and still being successful right now. Yeah. Well, this is a good show, important topic. We'll be talking a lot about these guys throughout the offseason. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll come back at you on Monday with another episode. I want to thank Dave and Jamie and Zach and Steve. And I am Adam. We'll talk to you on Monday on the see Football Today.
The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.